Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Schoolhouse Rocks, a podcast where we tell all of the things that are going on here in Roxbury School District. We're also going to talk about some difficult issues, uh, difficult trends going on in education, which actually is the topic for today. We're going to talk about uh, artificial intelligence in education. Um, we've been discussing this topic uh, at length here in our district, but around educational circle is definitely a hot topic. So uh, we're going to get into some of the nuances of how artificial intelligence is impacting educational circuits, how it is impacting teaching and learning. Um, and what is likely to happen is we're going to have to follow up on this conversation after this, but we're we're just going to get started. So uh, before we get into the conversation today, I'd like to invite everyone around the table to introduce themselves. I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by a bunch of educators here from the district as well as a handful of students. So introduce yourselves and then we're going to get into it. I'm James Hansen. I'm an English teacher here. Hi, my name is Matt Mon. I'm a supervisor of science, engineering, visual arts, and design here at Roxbury. My name is Eric Schmidt. I am a supervisor of English and performing arts here in Roxbury Schools. Hi, I'm Melissa Jamieson, and I teach seventh grade math at Eisenhower Middle School in Roxbury. Um, I'm Gabe, and I'm a sophomore. I'm Alana, and I'm a sophomore. All right. So thank you all for taking time to join me today to talk about artificial intelligence. And what I really want to get into is some of the pros, cons. What are we afraid of? What are we not afraid of? Because I think uh, that's a good place to start because there is this fear. And I'm just going to throw it out there because it'll probably be an unpopular sentiment. But it's one of the things I really hope to talk about is that the emergence of artificial intelligence is going to help children cheat. Um, it seems to be kind of a big piece of conversation. But uh, before I invite everyone to kind of weigh in on that, uh, what I really would like us to consider is that artificial intelligence is really just the next emerging technology in a very long line of technologies that have interrupted the educational space. Um, we could go on and on about what those are, but we can do some simple things, you know, like the internet, smart boards, um, cell phones, you know, there's a variety of um, technologies that have impacted instruction. Um, I think there's been a reason to be cautiously optimistic about how those tools have made education better. Um, they saved us time. They have helped us focus on the real heavy work that happens in schools as opposed to some of the arduous tasks that we've uh, engaged in over the years. So let's kind of start there with the fears. What are we afraid of? Why are we afraid of it? And should we be? Uh, and then we'll get into some of the benefits. So throw that out there. Anyone who wants to chime in, what are we afraid of? Uh, I think to really kind of discuss what we're afraid of, maybe even it's important just to backtrack to kind of talk about what this is. As we lead conversations about AI, I'm often shocked, like how many people like have very to little, no familiarity with what it really is. Uh, and I think you got to start there to really wrap your head around it. Uh, there are different types of programs out there. The the most popular one when this started and launched about a year ago was ChatGPT, which is a language basically uh, generator. Uh, it doesn't generate thinking, but what it does is basically do what your your cell phone does. It predicts your next word, but sort of like um, on steroids, like it's predicting huge swaths of uh, communication language based on large, you know, quantities of data. Um, so that, you know, did cause some consternation immediately. And, and I don't mean to dismiss there are other forms of AI out there that generate like artwork. Um, and I'm sure it just keeps on going and going. Um, but to kind of think about like, what is it doing? And then that leads to some of our concerns in terms of authenticity. So I'll let others kind of chime in. 
Yeah, I mean, the one thing I really want to point out, and Chuck kind of said it in the beginning here, is that um, this is not, I mean, cheating is not new in schools, right? Cheating has been around forever, whether that's you're copying your friend's homework on the bus before school, or you're asking your dad to do it for you or check over your answers. Um, this has always been around. But as the world kind of emerges with these new technologies, we also have to kind of rise to that occasion. Um and I think sometimes it's a little bit unfortunate that when you bring up AI in um, schools, I mean, the first thing people do is like, oh, I don't know what this is going to do. My kids aren't going to be able to think and they're not going to be able to learn because of this. But if you really think about it, right, in school, we're trying to teach them how to use their brains and we're trying to teach them how to think, not how to like recite information. So one of the only always things I always talk about here um, with other educators is just saying, if they can really answer all of your questions by using something like chat GPT or something like, I, I don't know, tutor.com or anything like that, you got to think about kind of the questions that you're asking the students in the first place, right? Are we teaching them to mimic or are we teaching them to think? Um, and that's just something that I think it's important to consider moving forward and to have more of an open mind when it comes to using this stuff. So hold on. Before we go too much further, Eric mentioned something that I just want us to clarify, which is really probably where we should have started. So I do appreciate you saying that is what is AI? And so generative AI, which is really what people are talking about, is uh, artificial intelligence that generates a response based on a prompt. Um, so it's not so the kind of the notion that the machines are going to take over isn't really where we're at. Um but so what generative AI and many of the tools, including ChatGPT, do is you ask it a prompt, you ask it a question, you, you initiate an interaction with it. And based on the information it has or it has access to, it hypothesizes the outcome. Um, and so I, I emphasize hypothesize because it suggests it's not fully accurate, which we know it is not. Um, but, you know, I do want to introduce real quickly that we all kind of use AI regularly as society. And one of the biggest fears, and Melissa kind of alluded to this, is the atrophying of skills. Um, and I'll give you a perfect example, which is na uh, navigation, right? Um, so I'm old enough to have grown up reading a map and watching my parents use an atlas and a map to like go on vacation and plan the best route. Nobody does that, <laughs> right? We don't do that anymore. We use our phones, we use our cars. And for goodness sakes, if those things weren't there, I'm not sure a lot of people would know how to get somewhere. So we're not really concerned about that. That is artificial intelligence. It is generative AI. We are asking, we are prompting it to do something. Get me from here to there. It figures out the best way to do that. It uses other information like traffic patterns and current reports to get you there. So we use it. Everyone's familiar with it. But, and we're not really afraid of that thing. We're not afraid of the fact that no one can read a map and follow the road signs anymore. Um, because it makes our life easier. And I'm emphasizing that word because I want us to get back to that point too. So before I got in there, I just wanted to come back to what Eric said, which is generative AI and what it really does. That's a very quick, um, simplified version. But anyway, Mr. Hansen, James, you were about to go in there. Well, I just think like you were saying, it's also important to evaluate that the value of our response, the value of the feedback or the thing that is constructed by AI uh, is directly correlated to the value of the prompt, right? So we've seen, and I've played around with my students too, that the better your prompt, the better your response, right? Um, but that becomes the thought process that I think we need to work on. That becomes the creative thinking. That becomes the uh, classroom skill that we are working on, which is the wordsmithing and the formulation of a prompt, which gets you a response that you are actually looking for. Or 
Maybe it's uh, multiple iterations of a prompt, right? How do you supply feedback? So if we're talking a lot as educators about providing feedback, right, we also should be building those skills in our students so that they can provide the AI with the feedback to give a better response moving forward. Yeah, I think with the notion of AI removing all thinking and automating everyone's work, um, if you use AI to answer questions or to do prompts, it actually makes you think more. Um, it dives you deeper into the design process of the prompt itself. Uh, it can it, it can reiterate rote memorization skills very easily. But when you read the prompt, you go, okay, wait, this is not how I would write it. This is not making sense. And it really forces students and myself when I use it, um, I use it for cooking a lot. So when I, I have ingredients in my house and what can I make? Um, but it really forces you to go back and edit it, relook at it, change out different parts. So it, it really emphasizes the design process rather than just the simplified yes or no answer or, you know, rote memorization aspect of it. Also in the English department, we've kind of been advocating for the idea of like the process over the product is often more important. We talk about like, it's about the journey, not the destination. And to be able to use AI as a tool along that journey, uh, can be really powerful. Uh, and I think what becomes critical is teaching into how to responsibly engage with those tools. Because um, one thing we know is that it could generate a lot of positive things, but at the same time, we need to know that it's often unreliable. Really case in point, recently I was using ChatGPT to try to figure out, I was too lazy to figure out what were the New Jersey Devils afternoon games. And it gave me all the wrong times. Uh, so like, you can't just go full on in trusting kind of what you're seeing here, but you could use it as a powerful tool to, to make your work better. And you had said teaching ethical and moral like, responsibility, right? How do we use this task? And I kind of want to kick this over to you guys because when you had walked in, you had said, oh, well, we haven't really used AI because our teacher told us not to, right? Um, so, okay. So my English teacher, I hadn't really heard of AI before like this year. Like I knew it was a thing, but I never really heard of it. I didn't really know what it was and I've never used it before and I still haven't used it now because my English teacher explained to us, she's like, oh yeah, you can use it for positive, but we also just don't want you to cheat off of it. And I was like, I like I understand, like I never would do that, but it's just interesting to see how like, you guys are saying it's positive, but then when we go into the classroom, the teacher's like, oh no, don't use it. It also, I've noticed it, it takes, sometimes we like can't do assignments like out of class because yeah. teachers like think we're using AI. Like we have, we sometimes we'll have essays, we can only do it in class because like of the fear of us using AI and it like, it's kind of annoying. I mean, well, go ahead, Gabe. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. So, well, I think that brings an interesting point, And it was mentioned before because it's on my notes here is, you know, part of what my hope, and I say this as not only an educator, but also as a parent, that the emergence of artificial intelligence in educational spaces will do is it will really push the envelope on a topic that has been a large part of the conversation for a long time, which is like better teaching. How do we help students engage deeper in the thinking and the, the work that needs to be done as opposed to kind of the rote knowledge, you know, the, the days where you needed to know tons of things just isn't the world we live in. It's not the world our students are moving towards. Yes, it is important to know things, right? It is that I'm not diminishing the value of knowledge, um, but there's a higher premium on doing something with it now. Right. And so even to your point about having to write the essays in class, like there's value there, but there's also value to invite, I would say, invite students. All right. This evening for homework or, you know, as a task for next class, I want you to generate an essay, a response to this prompt that I'm giving you as the teacher. Then I want you to review the, the response you got out of the, the AI tool, evaluate the tool you used, 
and then work to improve the prompt to get a better response based on our conversation in class, right? So instead of instilling this fear of it, let's learn to work symbiotically, right? Let's work with it to make our thinking deeper, to make our work better. Um, but I agree with you guys. Now, now, is it appropriate at times to say, I want you to do this here so I can monitor your work? Yes. But like any other tool, including simple tools, there's a correct way to use them and a wrong way to use them. All right. So I'll, I'll use a silly example. A screwdriver has two sides, the handle side and the screwdriver side, right? If I hold the handle side, I can use that tool correctly. If I hold the screwdriver side, I'm not going to be able to use that tool correctly. So just like any other tool, there's a correct way to use it and a wrong, an incorrect way to use it. And people need to learn, right? If you've never had experience with a screwdriver before, which I would imagine that's not many people, you probably don't know how to use that thing and you need to be taught, right? So in some ways, I'm a little concerned because it seems like you all aren't getting the opportunity to learn how to interact with that tool correctly. So let's talk about that. Like, how can that, how can we engage in that experience? Because I know that in the workforce, the, the right, we keep, we very, and I'll say something that's probably unnecessarily aggressive. We very lazily in educational conversations refer to the real world like this place kids are once going to get to. This is it now. They're in it right now. This is their world. And we're preparing them for a future that is very different than the one we were prepared for. <laughs> the future we were prepared for, people didn't think artificial intelligence was a real thing. It was like this science fiction movie. Well, it's real. This is the world that we are preparing children for. So, so um, removing the potential interaction for them, the opportunity to learn ethical and moral interactions, the, the opportunity to learn to use it correctly, I would say we are robbing them of an opportunity to get better. God. Right. And then if no one's going to teach them this, like we have to as their teachers, regardless of what subject area, regardless of what level, I feel like there is some appropriate way to bring that into your classroom. Um, I feel like a lot of the fear when I talk to other teachers about AI is the fact that it's just going to replace my job. And it, it's not right. AI cannot replace empathy. It cannot replace compassion. It cannot replace you having those individualized conversations with your students. Um, and they value having those conversations. You guys probably like when your teachers ask you about what you're doing outside of the classroom. Yeah. So getting to know them and coming from a place of this person knows me and now they can help me use this tool to be better. I think that's something that a lot of teachers have to kind of look at themselves and reflect and say, this is not going to replace me because this doesn't have feelings. I have feelings and I can see my students and then I can appropriately teach them how I want them to use this. And if they, there's mutual respect there, they're going to use it correctly. I, I believe it. I think we got to have more faith in the fact that if we teach them how to use it correctly, they're going to respect us and want to use it correctly, not want to use it to cheat. And the best way to know how to use it is to just play around with it yourself. I mean, these are free programs that, you know, you can ask it any and all questions under the sun for any situation, education, real life, how to fix anything, and just play around with it and get experience with it so you can better prepare your students to use it. And I think going back on the comment of replacing my job too, specifically as an educator, right? The value or the the immense uh, thing that we bring to our job is our caring, is our, uh, our emotional impact, our uh, interpersonal impact. But there's also a huge burnout and a huge exodus from our career right now. But with a tool like AI, with something that can take away some of that workload, some of that uh, brute force, having to recreate materials, having to edit materials, right? Those things can all be done with a few simple prompts, which then takes away the time that we have to kind of risk wasting uh, that we could spend with our students, that we could spend actually discussing these topics or other topics. So I want to I want to get Alana and Gabe to weigh in on what what you just said there, James. It, which is this, like, so I struggle with kind of the dual narrative that you know 
to use a silly expression, like what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? Like I know lots of educators that defend their personal and professional use of artificial intelligence tools because it is, quote, a time saver. And I know firsthand that there is not enough time in education. We get asked to do more all the time with without more time, without more money, but we have to teach more things. We have to expose students to more opportunities. And so I totally get and will happily defend the the teacher's perspective, the educator's perspective, that these tools help me save time. So I'm going to give you a couple examples. You have things like Otter AI, which will summarize meeting notes, right? I could record this entire conversation. I could throw that thing into Otter, and it would give us a summary of this conversation we're having. There are tools like Tango. Tango is a really great tool to create how-to um, step-by-step um, how-to guides. And I've created plenty of them when we introduce a new tool in the district and I need people to understand how to use it. Um, Tang, it'll, Tango will create that how-to guide almost in seconds for you. It's a huge time saver. Then you have other things like Conquer AI, which I know lots of educators use because it will generate assessments based on specific standards and DOK levels. Like you can control all of these um, variables and save a ton of time. But... Why don't we look at it the other way? Why don't we see it as an opportunity for students to save time and really utilize their time and effort into doing the deep, heavy work? So, like, what ways could we help introduce students to that, right? Like, certainly saying, don't do that, right? I I actually commend you both because I feel like when I was a kid, anytime the teacher said, don't do that, it was like the first thing I did, right? (laughs) Like, I couldn't control myself. And um, so what do you guys think about the the conversations that are happening here? And what can we do? To, to even diminish that mentality that we talked about right out of the gate, which is like, students are going to cheat. They're going to cheat. Like, is cheating that pervasive? Like, aren't students not in, like, do we not trust students to be invested in their learning? Like, I, I feel like it's so dismissive of the commitment students have to being in school, yeah. right? Go ahead. I mean, I feel like we have, we are introduced to AI a lot. Um, we're told to like find s- sources through it. It's actually like really helpful. Like we, like we, like with, yeah, we were just using like doing a project for our TMP and to find solutions, all you had to do was like type in something really quick and like there's a whole like list of it and like they were right on and we used them and they were really good. So that's that was a really good way. Also, I use it for paraphrasing prompts. I like if I don't understand a prompt, I'll just plug it in and rephrase it. It makes a lot more sense for me. So you're using it to help you understand the question in the first place, yes. right? Not answer it. And then by deeply understanding the question, you feel like you can provide a better answer. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, um, Alana, you're looking away, and so I want you to I want to get you involved here. So one of the things that Mr. Schmidt said before was about formulating the questions to allow students to go deeper into it. You know, write better essays, ask better prompts, things like that. So how have you had that experience or potential? Because you know, as we're talking about it, you're you're nodding your head. So tell us a little bit about what that could look like. So for me personally, if I were to use it. I would strictly use it for AP STEM because that's a class that I struggle the most in. So if I were to use it, I'd probably do the same thing that Gabe would, that Gabe said before, use it to rephrase the prompt, give, be able to make myself answer it better and have a better understanding. And I feel like that's helpful because if I have a better understanding and like, for example, like if my friend doesn't understand, I can help them understand. So I feel like if we get the opportunity to like learn about AI and how it's helpful and not harmful, then I feel like it's just, it's like, it helps us all. At the same time, I I have like a really like experience. I have an experience from last year. We had this like essay in English and mm. I remember like I did it and I got like an 86. And then I know so many kids who just typed the prompt into AI yeah. and they got a better grade than me. And that was like really annoying because they didn't do anything. It's like, 
I mean, that's like definitely negative for me. I can name like countless friends who even told me they would be like, oh yeah, I just typed it into AI and they just wrote me a whole essay. And it's like better than, it's like better, it's than, better my, than my original writing. I spent like hours on. One is like, how is the teacher not catching this? And two is like, why do I have to spend all this time when they can just cheat off of it? Which I feel like going back to what you said about like academic integrity and everything. Um, if, if we build strong relationships with our teachers, which is why I think AI is helpful because it takes a workload off of them. It takes a workload off of us. It gives us more time to build strong relationships with each other. It builds that trust between us saying like, oh, I wouldn't cheat in your class because I actually, I care about your class. I also don't really like, like, like I understand why teachers might expect us to cheat because like, I do know so many kids like who do like use AI all the time to cheat. Like, like, I don't know. So, so. So I just want to kind of also point out too, like in any conversation about AI, I always feel like the first thing out the gate people say is like, this is a brave new world. We're all wrapping our heads around as it evolves, as it evolves, as it develops. Uh, and I think like there's, there's some of that happening here, like within the teachers, within the classroom, as well as even just within our district. Like I know so many districts that just ran and hid from it. We recognize that it's important for you to learn these skills. Yes. So we're trying to open up uh, our school to the concept of this while simultaneously navigating security filters that aren't even allowing us to do that work. Yeah. Right. So uh, it is a lot of learning as we're, we're, you know, learning how to best integrate this within the program. But to some of your points, too, like I'm kind of reminded of like classic examples of cheating that Melissa had mentioned before, too. It kind of comes back to those cliche sayings like, you know, uh, about, you know, winners never cheat, cheaters never win. Right. In the long run, too, what that's doing is robbing the teacher of the opportunity to authentically assess what yes. you're capable of doing. And that's the only way we can actually help you get to the next step and be able to help you to develop. And, and I think that, you know, I'm interested if you guys have some suggestions that you would share with teachers about what you talked about, because what you guys are saying is definitely fair, right? You have students like yourselves who do put in the hard work and don't take that easy way out so that you can really learn and be a part of your own experience as a student. Um, and that is really hard to understand or even hard to um, to come to terms with. That like you worked really hard, you got a certain score, right? Because we live, we are operating in a structure where those scores really do matter, and they sometimes become separated too easily from the actual goal, which is learning. Um, and so, you know, that's a whole different conversation about grading and assessment. Um, we'll have that conversation another time. Um, but I, I do get the point, that fear and that frustration when you're like, well, but the kid that sits next to me cheated. But that's like. When I was a high school student, there's, you know, I remember a, kid, a student specifically who got a better grade because he used to literally copy on the kid next to him because, like, old school cheating, right? Actually, look. Yeah, like, it, it's not, like, just AI that's doing right. this, obviously, <laughs> yeah. but it's, like, it's, like, still, like, annoying, though, so. But also, we're talking about, like, using AI to cheat, but before AI even came around and like we were still using Chromebooks and everything, people could just type so in the yeah, answers on Google, tab, yeah, switch like, the tab, type in the answers on Google. It's the same thing. You're just generating yeah. a different answer. But, so why are we not afraid of children or students typing answers in on Google and we're afraid of AI? AI is more like like essays though. So yeah, it's like- But you're still using it to answer a question. Like you can, right. yeah. Right. But if you and your friends sat next to each other in the lunchroom and you write down the same essay, awesome. we don't take away lunch. Right. Right? No. Certainly not. I would. Well, I would sure hope not. Um, and and that is a really good point, right? That's no different. So I know that I frustrate my own kids when they're doing homework. They're like, "Well, help me with this. Which ones are right? Which ones are wrong?" And I refuse to tell them because, and I, you know, they stopped asking me these questions because they know my answer. Which is like, if I help you do that, then you take it back. Your teacher thinks you know how to do it, when in yeah. fact I know how to do it, right? So I yes. need your teacher to see 
that you aren't sure how to do these couple of numbers and then they can help support you. And so, but you know, that whole like copy and homework on the bus, like, like that stuff's not new. And I think part of the solution is better questions. Someone said it before. I have it written down, boxed and exclamation pointed on my, on my notes. Like maybe it was you, Melissa, which is ask better questions that require students to personally connect with the responses and do something purposeful and meaningful with what they've learned and then utilize the cl- the time in class together, like like um, Alana and Gabe discussed, doing the the um, doing the introductory work. How do I utilize tools? Like so, for math, I was a math teacher. Yes, there is an important piece in learning math where you have to actually engage productively with the content. You have to practice how the numbers interact with one another. Right? G- generally, you need to know what we often refer to as a standard algorithm, which is like, what is the recipe or the attack strategy? But that's not universal, universally contained in math. In language arts class, there is a strategy, an algorithm, so to speak, to writing an essay. What does that format generally look like? But it's not as clear cut. And I even see Eric kind of going back and forth with his head because it isn't as clear cut as solving a math problem sometimes. But there is a format to writing an essay, right? But then the way that person goes about doing it is unique to them. Right. So same thing in math. Like if we are just simply asking questions that fo- a, a tool like photo math could solve. Mm-hmm. Like I remember I was a student when graphing calculators emerged and graphing calculators were introduced into classrooms. Believe it or not, you know, get, given on the graphing calculators weren't always a thing. Right. When I was a student, we had the yeah. four function calculators that used to, just to add, subtract, multiply, mm-hmm. divide. And I remember my calculus teacher went nuts because now we didn't have to hand plot graphs anymore. But it saved tremendous amounts of time to the point now that we would actually criticize a classroom that was still doing that, right? Like, yeah. why, we have a tool that can do it, teach, teach students how to use the tool, and we're so much more productive. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, I feel like in school, we, the kids need to get to know themselves. Like, when you read something from AI and you realize that doesn't sound like you, you got to rephrase it. I like that you said that example. When you solve a, when you have a math question in front of you, you're going to do it completely differently than the kid next to you. Um, and that's valid. And there's validity to having your own sense of how you learn and how you interact with information. So I feel like getting to know yourself as a student and self-reflecting and kind of looking back at all these sources and saying, what, like, how do I want to learn? How do I want to control my learning process is a huge thing that's not, it's not taught. And I think it's kind of behind the scenes because that's not in any content level. That's not in any grade level, how to get to kind of look back at yourself and kind of see let me reflect on how I'm going to learn how my brain works best. And you need all those skills for the real world, right? So I feel like that's an important part that we don't teach and that I think we need to realize is being taught kind of under the table behind the scenes a little bit. And just to follow up on that, I think those are some really great points. It's like when it comes to Chuck's point about asking better questions, I think it's some of those reflective questions that are really critical and important. Like, how did you arrive at this answer? Like, what decisions did you make along the way? Uh, to me, those are so more insightful than just looking at the final paragraph yes. that was produced. Yep. And, and I think one of the things that gets lost, and Melissa, you just made me think of this, is I feel like this the emergence of really pr- productive potential out of our, um, artificial intelligence tools puts us at this kind of nexus where we need to separate and continue to focus on both the importance of developing a product. In some instances, it's the solution to a math problem. Sometimes it's an essay. Sometimes it's navigating, getting, sometimes it's, um, designing a picture because there are tools that will, you, if I describe what I want, it's going to make me a picture versus and separating that from the humanity of interacting with one another ethically, morally, and appropriately, right? Like we're so engrossed right now in so much um, oversaturation of 
the like kind of a an attitude that w- we need to still teach those things, right? We need to teach ethical interactions and moral interactions with not only one another, but the tools that we use. And as you said, that's part of what we need to teach, but we need to have faith that mm-hmm. students can do that and will do that. And I think by quickly removing the potential for students to interact appropriately, we aren't having faith in them. And we're not having faith in ourselves that we're teaching them not only as a school, but as a community that it is an important part of becoming a young adult and becoming a productive member of society that you need to interact responsibly and ethically and morally with those around you and the tools you're using um, and not just behave or act like someone who isn't right. Like just that kind of um, regression to the mean is, isn't an acceptable fallback plan, right? We need to have high standards for ourselves and those around us. And I think if we do, and you guys reference the relationships with your teachers, and so I'm really happy to hear that that sounds really positive because that is one of the things that will make teaching never get automated to the fear that people have, mm-hmm. right? Because that humanity, that connection is such a vital, vital, critical component to education that I believe if we really put our faith in our students and in the the goals we have as a community, that this is something that will enhance what we do, right? Even little things like, um, you know, Khan Academy now has uh, a tool called Conamingo, which is like an interactive tutor. It's an AI interactive tutor. Like, so there's a lot of really positive tools um, that we can use in education. And I think that continuing to rely on one another and recognizing that it is important to behave and um, act morally and ethically, like we still have the ability to do that, right? Let's not give up on humanity and our ability to use tools responsibly. Um, and I think this is, while it is something that we have cautious optimism about, something that I think really has the potential to take education to the next level and save a ton of time, right? Let's mm-hmm. be fair. Technology saves time. So allow us to save time, but it's not going to relieve the importance of critical thinking. I would say it's going to hold it to an even higher standard, right? There's going to be an even higher value on the ability to think critically, the ability to analyze, the ability to apply like those tools that we've talked about in education for so long are now much, much more important. And we're, it's getting forced because those low-level thinking tasks are going to become obsolete because we're going to have tools that can do it for us. All right, so let's wrap up. We've been having this conversation for a long time. I want to get back. I want to check in in a little bit, right? We'll have Alana and Gabe back, like you know, in a, you know, a little bit down in the school year about you know how has their experience changed, stayed the same. But let's get some uh, open up the floor for last thoughts here on our first conversation about AI. I mean, I just want to say it's a credit to you guys that you're saying that it's frustrating seeing people use AI and do better than you score wise. Um, But you guys are still like if you were to write that essay again, would you be tempted by it because of the score? Maybe. But also the things that you're saying, you'd probably still write that essay. And I I think that goes right off your point. Right. We have to trust our students. And I was telling you. No matter what it is, open-ended tasks, AI, anything like that, the more trust and faith you have in your students, they will always surprise you, regardless of the grade level with the things they come up with. So I appreciate you guys saying that because it's like, this is really frustrating. It's really annoying. But you're still like, you'd still write that essay. You'd still study the same way. You still do that math problem because you guys want to learn. Yeah. And I think there are a lot more students out there that are like you guys that are also going to continue to learn, even with AI being very much present in their lives. See, if I were to, going back to what you said, if I were to use AI once again to like write an essay or go back and like answer a question, I would feel disappointed in myself because I know that I wouldn't be learning what I need to learn. If like, how do I phrase this? I wouldn't be learning what I need to learn. And if I don't have an understanding, then what's the point of me being in the class? Right. Also, it's like a really big thing with like tests. If you only do your work through AI, like 
you don't have AI when you're doing tests. So, do tests? I mean, like at the same time, it like kind of like will just come back and bite you in the butt. I mean, right, yeah. so I think it's a big thing with just ethics. Like yeah. ethics is just like all that. Right. And like all things, it's a tool. And we, I think we owe it to our students to prepare them to uh, learn how to utilize AI because it is being used in the workforce outside of school and post-secondary um, choices. So by not introducing it and by shunning it away, it's it's almost a disservice to them. So it's important that we teach them how to ethically use it, use it properly, and know how to use it for when they go on uh, to solve tomorrow's problems. Uh, I just I like that phrase that Chuck used before about just like cautious optimism. I think it's a really powerful tool, but um, you know I think there's sort of uh, alarm in completely running away from it as opposed to also just running 100% like 100 miles towards it. Um, so that that will be a good kind of guide for us. Um, I also just have my own reservations about this idea to expedite all things for productivity's sake, because often the deepest, most important learning is very slow. Like it takes a long time to do some deep thinking. And if it takes me six or seven iterations of a prompt or feedback or responses to get to that deep learning, I don't think we've so much saved time, but we have expanded our outcome in the first place, right? But speaking to the students too, we need to focus kind of as a staff on preparing you to evaluate the answers you receive, right? How do I know that a good answer is a good answer? And I think once we have kind of wrapped our minds around that, that's the direction we push into. And that's when you can understand my answer is a good answer because it fully answers the question, but that means I also understood the question, right? So whether it's paraphrasing the question or it's working on the answer you receive, you have to fully understand whether or not you've hit the mark, whether or not you've gotten to the finish line. Yeah. And I think you guys have some some great points here. And, you know, I just take a lot of pride in listening to all of you. Um, it makes me feel really great about who we are as a school community. Um, I'm proud to be a part of it, not only as a colleague of yours, but also as a parent in town that not only do we have students who really hold themselves to high standards, and I really do appreciate Gabe and Alana joining us and representing that um, so clearly and articulately that, you know, and I applaud you both for holding yourselves to high standards. I encourage you to continue to hold those around you to high standards. Um, and to our teachers, I, I'm really proud of our teaching staff at all levels. And I, I trust that our teachers are powerful and impactful enough that they can collaboratively work with students to design a learning environment where there is trust, where there are high expectations, where we where we adhere to moral and ethical standards that are non-negotiable. And we all recognize that the finish line remains consistent, constant, and the same, which is we want the very best for our kids. Um, and we can trust them to be a part of that process. We need to trust them to be part of that process because that's how all of us do better. So I appreciate you guys joining me. Thank you so much. Um, as we continue to learn more, we're going to jump back into this conversation because I think it is not one that uh, will be will be leaving educational circles very soon. So thanks for listening.